Hello, and welcome to Darkness Loves Us, an all-things horror podcast. I'm Sarah Lopez. And I'm Tennille Bradshaw. And tonight, we're bringing you our book report on 1986 film, House. Yes. Before we get started with House, we have a lot to dig into about this film. We do. Um, I would like to say, hi, nice to see you. Hi. Always nice to see you. Always nice to be back with our Darkness Lovers. I will say, it's the beginning of fall, mm-hmm. right? And I do notice a change in the air. I do too, because I was on my way when I was on my way over here, the shadows were just longer. Mm-hmm. It's it's coming. Yes. Fall's coming, y'all. Tomorrow, I, actually. I keep feeling sad for those people that are like, "Oh, I'm so bummed because my seasonal depression is starting," and I do feel for you guys. Mm-hmm. But I feel happy because my seasonal depression is lifting. That's right. <laughs> in Florida, we ha- we do things a little different down here, and yes. that's it's depressing when it's so hot that you can't stand your own self. And you don't want to do anything yeah. fun. You don't want to go outside. But it definitely, I can tell things are a little bit mm-hmm. hmm, delightful. Yeah. And then tomorrow is actually technically the first day of fall. Yes. And I'm so excited because we had a really, really good response to our giveaway that we did with Elise from the last episode, Elise of Hydra Hammer Armory. Um, she so graciously um, give, is giving away four pairs of her brand new earrings that are coming with this new um, series that just dropped. So that mm-hmm. is really nice and generous of her. And we're um, giving away one of the books that we read for that, which was the Final Girls Support Group. Yes. Which I always want to call Final Girls Club, but it's not. It's a support <laughs> group. So that I'm so excited to announce the winner is named... Their name is KJ. <clears throat> KJ. And they go by the Instagram ha- handle Bad Vibes Only, which I love. I like that. So congratulations, Cong- KJ. I'm so excited for congratulations. you to get those Congratulations. Yay. And I just really appreciate all of our dear departed listeners, darkness lovers that like rallied around us for that um, weekend giveaway. That was like our first time to do something like that. It was really yeah, fun. We appreciate it, guys. And we definitely are going to have more on the horizon. Absolutely. One thing I did want to mention is that last week I was trying to remember what li- the listener, Jamie, um, she had mentioned that there was a movie she really wanted us to cover that was looks like it's old, but it really is new, and I couldn't remember. And Tenille reminded me that it is The Love Witch. Yes, and it's 2016, The Love Witch. It looks gorgeous. The yes. fashion is gorgeous. It looks like the 60s. I think we're going to do that very soon. Uh, it's definitely. going to be one of our October ones, I'm pretty sure. Definitely. And we were going to talk about Salem's Lot. Yes. And we still are, but we, we are. we're working through it. So we decided to come to you this week with a, uh, a more mini-type episode about this movie from the 80s house. Yes. Salem's Lot's just a long book. It really is. And I didn't really, I really don't want to, like, rush through it. No, no. It's just no. taking me a little bit longer and taking you a little bit longer to read than what we would have expected. Yeah. I mean, Stephen King writes some thick yeah. books y'all yeah i'm like i'm listening to it on audio because well, i actually i'm just like switching back and forth not to get too deep in that book but i'm switching back and forth between kindle and listening to it just like depending on what's going on because mm-hmm. kindle has that feature where it'll like pick off where you're do- where you left off reading and then it'll like go back and forth yeah which is great yeah um, it is but i'm like so deep in it and i'm still like I think it's only like chapter four. And I'm like, yeah, how is this they chapter are. four? I've yeah. been listening to it for hours. They're long chapters. Although I'm enjoying it. It but, is. You it know, is. I just want to give it the time it's deserved. That's right. Now, listener Shannon did message me and say, she, while she was excited that we are reading Salem's Lot, she really hated the movie. 
So I went to look up the movie tonight just to see like what the movie would be like, and the movie is three hours long. Yes, and I remember when it came out because the com- the commercials uh, scared the shit out of me, mm. and it was an '80s miniseries, so that's why I think it's three hours long. But I also know like the that original It is like that too. It's yes, so long. exactly like that. So I am glad to report though that they are remaking Salem's Lot, um, and I will tell you what uh is on the horizon so um it is coming out it looks like uh i guess it's set it says it's set to release on september 9th 2022 so could have already released but maybe it's streaming maybe it's streaming i haven't seen anything about it though um let me see i'm gonna look at uh salem's lot they're trying to uh, fool us. They are. Maybe that might have been an old article. Maybe that got pushed back. Salem's Lot 2022. Salem's Lot won't be coming out this year, it says. Theatrical release of Stephen King's pick Salem's Lot moves from post Labor Day to spring 2023. So oh, it's coming out in the spring. Probably, yeah. That, you know, we are all, we always have our fingers on the pulse. Don't we, though? Always. Every book that we have been into and read mm-hmm. that we were like, oh, yeah, this is great, suddenly it's a movie. All the Grady Hendrix ones are movies. Uh, really important, what's coming out, like, next week is The Midnight Club. That we, yeah, we covered that a long time ago. We covered that a long time ago, and that was just a random, was it R.L. Stein or Christopher Pike? That one is a Christopher Pike. A Christopher Pike book that we picked just for the fun of it. And then come to find out it's going to be a miniseries. Or not a miniseries. It's just a series on Netflix. And it's like really soon in the next couple weeks. That's awesome. So, oh, please stay tuned because we're definitely going to cover that. That's right. And also maybe, I mean, maybe if you're a horror author and you want to get your your uh, options picked up by yeah. TV and film, maybe you should let us review your book because on our it podcast. Will, it, I mean, it will. We will manifest it for you. Speaking of things we're trying to manifest. Yes. Justin, I'm still here waiting for your message back, Mr. Justin Long. Oh, that's Lover great. Lover of St. Petersburg, Florida. Mm-hmm. He's like best friends with one of my best friends mm-hmm. after they met on the street in St. Petersburg. Oh, yes. Why aren't you returning my messages, Justin, to become on our podcast to talk about your movie that is like people are loving I know. Barbarian. I really want to see it. Of course, want to see it, but I'm a little mad that you haven't got back to me, Justin. Oh no. I just can't imagine you wouldn't think a random girl, woman, lady sliding into your DMs to ask you, "Hey, come on my podcast." Yes, please come <laughs> on our podcast. Florida. That's right. But yes, I'm excited about that too. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one other thing that I'm like, oh, they're doing a movie of that now too, that we covered. Uh. It'll come to me later, but I was just very surprised. Like, we're just finger on the pulse. That's right. We always know what's up. We do. All right, so let's get into this 1986 film, House. Yes. Okay, Tanil, how did you consume this film? I consumed it with my one true love, Sarah. We sat together and watched it. We watched it here. Now, I want to tell you guys a little bit of a funny story. Mm -hmm. This is not the movie we chose for this week. No, no. So we had a little bit of a miscommunication where I we chose another movie, and that movie was called Dr. D- Tar's House of Terror. House of Dungeon of Terror. Dungeon of Terror, that's right. A.K.A. Mansion of Horrors. Oh. Okay. And, um, which, I love it when a movie has an A.K.A., also known as in the uh-huh. title. Uh-huh. It reminds me of a New Girls episode. A.K.A. when a, it doesn't matter. When Winston <laughs> does it a lot, he always says A.K.A. Um, but, I, so, 
Tennille thought we were going to get together and watch it together. This like yes. cheer, cheesy 1971 horror film. Right. I thought we were supposed to come prepared having watched it. Yes. Yeah, so I slacked and did not do my homework. I watched it on Monday night with my hubs. And both of us were like, this is so bad mm-hmm. that it's not even fun. Mm-hmm. It is so Looney Tunes. Like, it is like as if a horror comedy revolving around an Edgar Allan Poe story was also Willy Wonka mm-hmm. um, with some smattering of some sexual assault. And I just was like, this? That's kind of yucky. It yeah, was yeah. yucky. And then there was just titties everywhere. And not in a way that was like, Not fun oh. titties? I mean, they were fun. but they, All titties are fun. All titties are fun titties. That's right. You guys, if you're feeling bad about yourself, just remember all titties are fun titties. That's right. Um, but it just was like, it felt very sexploitation. Mm. It did not feel good. Mm-hmm. And I, so then when we got together tonight, we went to dinner before we were starting on our podcast. And I'm like, so did you watch the movie? And she's like, no, I thought we were watching it tonight. And I was like, Tanila, I can't sit through it again. <laughs> it was a... It was a one-timer for me, bro. Right, right. <laughs> so we decided to pick a new movie. Yes. Which we had been wanting to see. Now, both Tanil and I saw this in our youth. Yes. I, w- I just remember it was on heavy rotation on HBO. Yeah. Um, I remember watching it, and this kind of is a good uh, 80s scary movie for children, I think. Yes. It's very horror light. Yes, it's very horror It's like monsters. Yes. It's great. It's ghosty monsters. So this... Um, it's on Shutter right now, so if you are a Shutter member, and if you're a dearly departed lover, I'm guessing you are a Shutter member. Um, so we, that's where we watched it at. Um, if you're not, I think it's on Amazon. On I mean, you could rent on Amazon, but I think Shutter. I think it's like six ninety nine a month, and I it's worth it. Yeah, it has every horror movie that you can ever imagine is on yes. it. So yes. get it. So House is a 1986 American comedy horror. Perfect description. Film directed by Steve Miner, produced by Sean S. Cunningham, and starring William Cat. George Went, Richard Mall, and Kay Lentz. So William Cat, we've talked about before because he was um, in the movie Carrie, mm-hmm. and he plays the boy that asked Carrie to prom. Yes, a sweet boy. He's really sweet to her. Yes. Yeah, he is he that blonde an afro. Sweet, yeah, yes, and he plays. He's a good actor. He's good. In this, I felt um, the acting in this was actually excellent yeah. across the board. It was good. Um, and then of course, uh, Norm. From Shears. Yes. George Went. He lives next door. He does. He's the nosy neighbor. Nosy neighbor. And I loved him. I know. He's great. Yeah. He I, he was my one of my favorite parts. And then Richard Mall. I don't know if you remember this, but I used to watch when I was a little kid Night Court. Do you remember oh, Night Court? Yes. Of so he's Bull. Yes, I knew. From yes. ri- from from Night Court. I love Night Court. Uh-huh. I had a huge crush on the judge. What's of course. his name? Harry. Yeah, Harry, because he was whimsical and he had round glasses. I just loved it. He was so boyish. Yeah. Um, if I met someone like that now, they would really annoy the shit out of me, yeah. honestly. But when you were a young kid, you're like, that guy is so awesome. And who played the attorney? John. Uh, uh, John. Um, that guy uh, kind of creeped me out, and he still does. <laughs> he's funny. He's, like, funny. He was on Parks and Recreation but for an episode, and he was really funny. He was? Yeah. He, he played um, Leslie Nope's mom's ex-boyfriend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Night Court. That's right. What's the? Is that the? Is he? He's not the boyfriend that comes to the dance and is yes. acting like all crazy. Yes. And he's like, oh, he's here. like, oh, I missed you so much. And she's like, um, I just wanted to say hi or whatever. Right. But he's like carrying the torch big time for her. Yes. Oh, he, yeah. Uh, his name is John Larroquette. John, yes, that's it. John Larroquette. Yeah. Well, anyway, as a kid, I did not like him. He gave me the creeps. But I loved <laughs> Harry. Yes. So, oh, that's interesting. I did, yes, Richard Mall. Uh-huh. And then Kay Lentz is the, um, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> the wife of William Cat in the now, movie. What was she in? She's, I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you in a second. Okay, because I feel like she's been in some 80s, 70s, 80s She was. Oh, she's beautiful when she was younger. But I mean, she's beautiful now. She's beautiful. She was um, absolutely beautiful. Yes. She is um, Kay Ann Lentz. She was born in March of 1953. Um, American actress and daytime Emmy Award winner. Primetime Emmy Award winner, as well as nominations for Golden Globes and Saturn Awards. She was known, best known for her title role in the film Breezy from 1973. Okay. And she was nominated for a Golden Globe for that for Most Promising Newcomer. She also is known for the um, film House, which we watched tonight, as well as the television series called Midnight Caller and Reasonable Doubts. And for her role in the episode of After It Happened of Midnight Caller, and she won a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Actress for that. Well, that's cool. And it looks like she was in CSI at one point and first um like an episode or two. She was also in Bones and she still um she did an, a voice on Adventure Time, which is kind of fun. Uh yeah. and and then she is still acting right now. Yes, and she also was in that movie American Graffiti from 1973. Yeah, that was a big and deal. The Andy Griffith show. Oh. So that's cool. So she's got one of those 80s, rec- 70s, 80s recognizable faces. Oh, she's, and she's gorgeous. Both yes. structure for days. Yes. Um, so that's that. <laughs> so that's that. <laughs> I was thinking about And good night. Yeah, good night. Oh, gosh. Like in, in role models when he's like, he hates how people have like all the like catchphrases like stat and ASAP. And so that's that. Uh-huh. And I pretty much hit all of those. <laughs> okay. So, um. The film, which we'll get into in a second, basically tells a story of a troubled author who lives in his deceased aunt's house and soon falls victim to the house being haunted. It earned $22.1 million worldwide, and it was followed by three sequels, House 2, The Second Story, uh-huh. House 3, The Horror Show, and House 4, The Repossession. I wanted it to be House 3, The Attic, and House 4, The Basement. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> House five, subfloor. That's right. <laughs> house house six, cistern. <laughs> <laughs> we could go all night. Oh, we could go. We could go all night. Okay. Um, let me just, I'm almost done. Almost done. Almost done. So um, it began filming in uh, April of 1985, and the first two weeks of production comprised shooting exteriors of the estate known today as Mills View. A Victorian-style home first built in 1887. Oh, that's cool. So those beautiful shots of that that you Exterior. see in the beginning. Which it is a beautiful home. Both it Camille is. and I were like. We want to live there. We're like, beautiful home and it has a pool? That's right. Sign us up. Yep. I don't um, care if it's haunted. It's located on Melrose Avenue in Monrovia, California. At the time, the building was owned by two Los Angeles firemen, brothers Brian and John Wade. Oh. I, were they brother lovers to own a house together or just brothers? You know, you never know. I just feel it was a really romantic house. It was a romantic house. Yeah. So, and also some some elements did feel sound stagey. So, I'm sure the exteriors and then the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, they spent four of the five, five weeks 
modifying the exterior of Victorian manor that included repainting the whole of the exterior, uh-huh. bordering the front yard with wrought iron fence supported by stone pillars, and attaching, and I called this shit. Yeah, you did. I called this, attaching foam spires to the roof. Because the roof has these, like, crazy, very beautiful white spires that almost look like horns. Yeah. And I was like, do you think those are, those don't look like, they would not yeah. still be looking that good if this right. was an 1887 house. Yeah. I knew that. So anyway, they put a they put a uh, a sidewalk in a faux walkway. They painted. They just all this stuff to make this house look so beautiful. Well, I, it sounds like the brother lovers were too busy fighting fires to take care of their own house. Yes, they definitely were. The final six weeks, of the production moved to Renmar Studios in Hollywood, where the two floors of the interior of the Monro- Monrovia house were recreated on the soundstage. Uh-huh. This included sets for the living room, staircase, den, and three upstairs bedrooms. On a separate adjacent set, the jungle exteriors for the Vietnam flashback scenes were built yeah. on soundstage, just taking three days to put together. That's not very long. I mean, that's not very yeah. long to recreate the Vietnamese jungle. Right. A total of seven monsters were designed and fabricated for the production. Uh-huh. These creatures, which included uh, a big witch, the zombified corpse of Big Ben, mm-hmm. three demonic kids, the flying skull-faced monster in the void, mm-hmm. the plaque-mounted marlin that comes to life. Oh, yes, that's it's funny. It's like the first Billy the Big Mouth bass. Yeah, it really situation. was. Um, and the war demon from the closet. Yeah. You know, that's the one with the bullet fingers. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> they were constructed by 17 special effects artists over a period of three and a half months. The war demon in particular was elaborately built puppet measuring 18 feet. Wow. Fully mechanized, operated by 15 people, and featured a fully working lower bowel system. What does that mean, a fully working lower bowel system? Did it? Oh, it was like one of those babies that you would pretend feed it, and And then then it poops poops in the diaper. Yeah, I'm glad they left that part out. I am too. So it opened in 1,440 theaters on February 28, 1986, and grossed $5.9 million in its opening weekend, missing the first place to what movie do you think would have been coming out in February of 96, of 86? Footloose. Mm-mm. Ferris Bueller's Cl- Day Off. Cl- you like it more than both of those. Mm. I don't know. Isn't she pretty? <laughs> oh, I do love that movie. It's yeah. iconic. Everyone right now is like, I've never heard Sarah sing like that. Pretty in Pink. <laughs> so Pretty in Pink got first place. It got second. It did well. I mean, to be honest, it did really well. Yeah. Um, one review aggregation website called Rotten Tomatoes. That's what. That's how, Thank that's you, Wikipedia. <laughs> Thank you for distinguishing that. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes has an approval rating of 57%. The website that reviews <laughs> motion pictures. See? Yeah. See? <laughs> Oh god! Oh, mm. my leg, my leg hands. <laughs> so Sarah and I were talking at dinner before. <laughs> we were talking at dinner before this, and we were just talking about how. <laughs> I think we were talking about an animal. We were talking about an anatomy of an animal, and she said, "I don't think it has those kinds of hand legs." <laughs> Leg oh, you, first she said, yeah, <laughs> said, leg I don't hands. think it has that kind of leg hands. You, first you said, I don't think it has those kinds of lower hands. <laughs> lower hands. And then I was like, you know, the leg hands. Leg hands, they're feet. They're called feet. Oh, God, it made me laugh. It was so funny. So now forever. And then you called it downstairs hands, yeah. which is also funny. I want to put my shoes on my downstairs hands. <laughs> um, anyway, um, 
Jacelyn, Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote, Scares are not its strong suit, but it has a trim, bright look and better performances than might be expected. Yeah. Variety Magazine wrote, Though much of this nonsense is played tongue-in-cheek, um, an audience can hardly be expected to swallow the screenplay's arbitrary approach to Cobb's character. Ryan Paul Pollard at Starburst wrote at the time of the Blu-ray release, as a film, House is still as much of a warm and at times bonkers family-friendly horror as yeah. it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, Alex Stewart of White Dwarf, he's a little saltier, he says, Although the film has a good premise, it's squandered on yet another tired old haunted house story whose supernatural horrors cannot compare to the real-life trauma of war. Let's settle down. Okay. Let's let's settle down, let's Alex down. Stewart. Like, okay. okay, let's take this. It's a comedy horror movie. Let's all take a, take a breath. Yes. Um, in 1987, Richard Mall and Kay Lentz were both nominated for Saturn Awards. Director Steve Miner won a Critics Award for his work on the film and was nominated for an International Fantasy Film Award. Well, that's fun. It has a great soundtrack that was released on vinyl and, and cassette tape and CD in 1987. Oh, so they just, Ooh, a triple I mean, threat. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess the house soundtrack was sweeping the nation. The soundtrack has, runs approximately... <laughs> 51. Who wrote this? 14 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Okay. I'm going to pee my pants. 14 minutes and has 25 songs. 25. That were featured. The same 25 songs that were featured in House and House 2, the second story. Oh, thank God for those facts. Mm. <laughs> and I just, I think that might be all my facts I have. The only thing I was going to say is about Stephen Miner, the director, real quick. Okay. Um, Stephen Miner, the director, born in 1951, an American director. Yes. Um, is a member of the Motion Picture Academy of the <laughs> Arts and Sciences. <laughs> wow, I just picture a guy with, like, press, a press card in his fedora <laughs> with a cigar writing this Wikipedia page. <laughs> I gotta read it, see? Um, he's notable for his work in the horror genre, including mm -hmm. Friday the Night, Friday the 13th, <laughs> what's Friday Night the 13th? You know. Friday the 13th Part 2, mm -hmm. Friday the 13th Part 3, House, Warlock, Halloween Ooh, H2O, Warlock. 20 years later, Okay. Lake Placid, Day of the Dead, which I almost picked Day of the Dead for this. Ooh, that would be a good one. He also has directed numerous comedy and drama films, as well as notable episodes of television series, including yes. The Wonder Years and Dawson's Creek. Oh, okay. And, of course, you know why I like him. He's from Chicago, Illinois. Nice. Um, yeah, I think that's basically all on him. There's nothing else really that really blows your skirt up about that. Oh, he also did The Last House on the Left as a production assistant. Oh, well, that's cool. And what is Video Vixens? He was the assistant editor on Video Vixens. I don't know. I feel like it would have been on Cinemax way past my bedtime. Mm, not now. Not anymore. Now you're allowed to stay up for that. That's right. All I right, don't, I don't want to now. <laughs> I just want to go sleep. I just want to go night-night. Um, all right, Tina, lead us through this, this movie. So, yeah, so it's about this writer, and, and you kind of get a – sense of how much of a popular author he is mm -hmm. people actually recognize him oh my god from the first scene yes yeah, so the first scene is really fun <laughs> because all the people are in line to uh attend his book signing and he's signing his his horror novels because he's a horror novelist too uh -huh. that's the other yeah. thing and so all these cuckoo fans are in line yeah and uh they're pretty nuts and he's like who the hell are these crazy crazy people and his agent's like those are your fans 
This that was one of the funniest parts of the film. Yeah. Because he's sitting at the desk, right? And you're seeing from his point of view, and you can only see one uh, fan at a time as they're mm-hmm. coming up to have their book signed, and each one is more wild than the one in front of it. Like, yeah. They're just losing their shit. <laughs> they are. And then one guy is like, so, um, what's your next book about? And he's like, well, it's going to be my story of my time in Vietnam. And he's like, oh, great. You know, like, like, that's so, yeah. So he's going, he's going from horror novelist to writing about his experiences in Vietnam. And his agent is giving him a bag of shit. Like, where's your book, dude? Because they're going to take away your advance. Like, no one's thrilled about Roger writing this Vietnam book. Random House is going to want their money back. That's right. (laughs) So, oh, I think oh double, double day. Double day. Double day is going to want their money back. That's right. So you also find out a little bit more about Roger. He's divorced from a nighttime soap opera a- actress. Yeah. And then you also find out that his child has been missing. Right. And so he goes to his apartment to work on his book, and he calls the FBI, which you're like, why the hell? We don't right. know about straight anything yet. Straight line to the FBI. Yeah, straight line. And we're like, this, I, when, when he was calling, I was like... Uh, is he consulting with the FBI for his novels? Uh-huh. Like, I didn't know. Right. But he was asking about his missing son. Have you heard anything? Have you seen anything? you got to call me. Right. Um, so he finds out that his aunt, who raised him mm-hmm. in this house, a crazy house, um, has killed herself. Yeah. And she hung herself in her bedroom. Yeah. So the house has fallen into his possession. And he decides that he just needs to get out of the city and go live in his aunt's house where he grew up you find out he's getting like drawn to come back to the house yes he is and um he wants to get away too because you know he you get the sense that he and his wife still love each other but probably they're they're having their child be missing was just too much for them and they fell apart that's what you kind of just get get glean from that yeah so he moves into the house as soon as he moves into the house, I think he sees more people than he did living in the city. Cause he definitely does. Yeah. Can we rewind to one part of the, the that was very funny and cringy? Was the wife, the ex-wife calls him oh, from yeah. like the Golden Globe. Yes. She has just lost. She's like, First hey, all, on a payphone at the Golden Globe. On a payphone. I was like, oh, 1986. I know. So she calls him from a payphone outside the Golden Globes and is yeah. like, I lost. Yeah. And he doesn't want her to know that he's, like, oh, at yeah. home, losing his mind, <laughs> yeah. sad and lonely, missing <laughs> his kid, missing, missing his, his wife. wife. So he turns up the music really loud, and he pretends there's, like, a poker game going on. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, you guys, turn the music down. Keep it down, guys, and all this stuff. And uh-huh. he's just try- basically trying to be, like, my life's great without you. Yeah. And it was so embarrassing but funny. Yeah, it, it was. was. Great. Yeah, it, it was, was a great a, part. Yeah, because he's like, she's like, um, who's there? And he's like, I don't know, the guys. He's, he's like, like, I have to go. His names to say. <laughs> he's like, oh, just a bunch of guys. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I, you're taking me away from my game. I got to go. But uh, so he packs, like, he has a nightmare, and he wakes up in the middle of the night, packs a suitcase. That's it. He's going back to his house. Yeah. So um, he moves in, and the first person he meets is his neighbor, Harold, mm-hmm. who's played by George Went, and he's Norm. Re- Norm, and he's really funny because he, as soon as he 
gets there, he's like, um, he's like, hell yeah, my name's Roger. And he's like, are you Roger Cobb? Like, he knows that yeah. that's the author. And he's like, can you sign my book? And his copy is, like, falling apart. Like, so, like, it pieces dog Yes, he's like, I'll sign this later. But he's like, oh, yeah, your aunt. Or no, he says the woman that used to live in this house was. Uh, <laughs> says, oh, my God, I have it printed out because I thought it was so freaking yeah. funny. He said, like, something like, she's the biggest bitch under the sun. Right? She's basically an old hag. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as she's like, oh, that was my aunt. He's like, lovely woman, heart of gold. Yeah. Heart of gold. It's really <laughs> funny. Um, and he He's a really good actor. I mean, he's a good actor anyway, but in this, I thought I thought that the per- acting performances are freaking great. Yeah, man. they are. Good, good comedic timing and stuff. So he's like, listen, Harold, I'm here for solitude, he says. So he's he's going to go work on his Vietnam book. So there's a lot of this movie is interspersed with his experiences in Vietnam because he's writing the Vietnam stuff while right. it, he's kind of flashing back to that. I think that those were some of the slower parts. Of it the was. Film, but it I was think slower. It's important. Yeah, I mean, and it's his have, background. We have to remember that this is in the time, too, like right after. Um, I mean, it wasn't that long. Right, but also right after. What's the classic Vietnam movie? What, like Platoon and stuff? Platoon, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. Full Metal Jacket? Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Like these are just. These shows. So in the 80s, yeah. To, to that Vietnam of. movies were just uh a dime a dozen in the yeah. 80s yes, like so really many. was because i guess it, i mean it was like 20 years later yeah. a lot of things that are like 20 years later you know you're yeah. i don't know why everything goes in in and out of fashion we're getting for a lot 20 of years the Clinton era of the yeah like the early 2000s stuff yeah. is coming back which i find absolutely I'm insane like, except i sound like such an old ninny because i remember my mom saying that about like bell bottoms and uh-huh. things coming back in the and 90s super straight hair coming back in the uh-huh. 90s it's just like ugh, i was sick of this the first time around and literally that's how i feel about the early 2000s style like ew, i hated it the first time it was here if they bring back low-rise jeans i'm gonna kill oh, somebody they're already back i'm gonna kill somebody i saw like a thousand tiktoks about how like p- fashion people are watching that low-rise are gonna get it lower and lower and lower and so is coming back is like the super skinny like ck1 model CK1, Calvin Klein model. Yeah, style. they can. They Heroin can, chic models. Yeah, they can eat ass because I am not getting into that. <laughs> they can eat ass. <laughs> I love it. So um, the next thing that happens is, um, so Roger, when you see Roger get to the house, he, he kind of flashes back to what happened to his son. So Roger was in the backyard of this big house, and he they were still living at the time with his elderly aunt who raised him. He was living there with his wife and also his little son, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So it flashes back to him in the backyard, like trimming some trees. And Jimmy's just playing on the ground with a truck and uh, his toys and stuff. And they're just chilling, you know. And the next thing you know, William Cat looks up and Jimmy's gone. And so he runs out into the front yard. It was kind of a fun misdirect. They show this car haul ass down the road. Yeah, for a second, that never really came back. Yeah, yeah, that was just a misdirection. Red herring. Right, that's right. And then, um, then he runs into the backyard, and you see someone struggling in the pool. But when he jumps in the pool, the little boy is nowhere to be found. Right. So, um, the little boy's missing. They call the you know police, so on and so forth, and. So that kind of just shows you what happened that day with Jimmy. Right. So um, he is kind of just thinking about all this stuff and writing and everything, and he starts hearing some noises in the house. And he's particularly drawn to his aunt's room. And the first thing he sees, he goes into the his aunt's bedroom, and he sees her there. 
And she says, the house tricked me. It finally tricked me. I didn't think it would, but it did. And he said, and she said, it's going to trick you too. And she takes a noose and puts it around her neck and then jumps. But as she jumps, she disappears. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing he sees. Very creepy. I mean, you know, honestly, that's probably enough for me. Like, I, I, I would be like... I don't usually, I wouldn't doubt my sanity because if you saw that, you saw it. Right. So I would be like, no, that's okay. Let me call the realtor. We're just going to, you know, pack up. But he just kind of like, I don't know, kind of sidesteps and ignores it and just goes on. So his neighbor kind of shows up. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get into that. But then the next thing he sees, he hears sounds upstairs in, the, in, upstairs in that same closet. So he opens the closet and nothing. He closes it and then the clock strikes 12 and he mm-hmm. opens it again. And this horrible uh, kind of amalgam of faces, guts and claws kind of monster mm-hmm. comes flying out of the closet and claws his chest. And that's the one that's supposed to be 18 feet long. With fingers that are bullets, uh-huh. and it's supposed to be a an amalgam of napalmed bodies, yeah. reminiscent of Vietnam War. Wow, and that itself, just that monster, took three weeks to build. Yeah, well, that's pretty freaking horrible. Yeah, it is. Is did you do we remember? Did his um, chest get clawed before the sexy V-neck sweater that he wears, or after? <laughs> I don't remember. It seems like it had to have been. Here's the thing. I think it might have been before. Yes. But, but the but the claw marks were specifically far apart. Yeah. So they did not show in that deep, deep, sexy deep V-neck, v. which garnered the attention of his blonde uh, neighbor. Neighbor. Yeah, she run, said, jogging. Yeah, and she said, what does a blonde neighbor say? I know when men need to work, and I know when they they need to play. Or I know when men need to like to work, and I know when they like to play. Uh-huh. Whatever. Oh, she's Swedish. Yeah, she was intense. She was putting them. Uh-huh. She, she was even creeping me out. So um, anyway, so he's, his next neighbor, he comes up with this idea. So he, after the monster comes out of the closet, he's like, I'm going to get every camera known to mankind, and I'm going to set it up in front of my closet, and I'm going to rip the door open. And he puts on all his, like, army fatigues and stuff and goggles, mm-hmm. and he's running around the house like a loon um, trying to – set up this elaborate scheme to catch it on video or a picture so he kind of does a dry run and he pulls the rope or he gets ready to and he runs outside and kind of like does a victory dive because he he's like a little on his knees moment like a yeah almost like a platoon moment yeah. out on the front line yeah. and his neighbor's like hey roger what you, what you doing he's like walking his dog and he's <laughs> like uh i'm just writing my book and he's like okay and, like, he goes in the house, and George Wentz, like, wow, writing is a lot of fun. Like, right. he's, like, like says oh, something. Okay. <laughs> so he sets up the camera, and he still doesn't catch anything. So right when he's about to open the closet door, his neighbor comes up the stairs and scares the shit out of him. He's like, I just thought I'd bring you a midnight snack. Now, if my neighbor came into my house at midnight, we would have yeah. problems. Yes. This this neighbor is very intrusive. Yeah. But I also felt... He's endearing, though. Endearingly. And I felt like, well, this guy might need to be intruded upon. Yes. Because I think the na- the, the neighbor next door is... He's like, he's, he's like a little a fan. off. Yeah. He's and so also... He's, so he's like, he's yeah. like stalkerish. But he's also like, something's not right yeah. over here. I'm just going to keep showing yeah. up. My friend Roger, I feel like he's, he, he got... He even tells him, like, he's like, I... Uh, Roger, or his, Roger tells uh, Harold, you know, 
I think I saw a ghost in my closet. And he's like, okay. You know, like, he's right. listening. He's right. like, well, what kind of ghost or whatever? And he's like, you don't think I'm crazy. He's like, well, he, he said, my, well, my aunt used to say this house is haunted. He's like, yeah, but your aunt was kind of Looney Tunes. And he's like, well, do you think I am? He's like, well, you have a few marbles rattling around. He says, he's like, you lost your son. You went through a divorce. Your aunt died. Yeah. He's, you've got some marbles rolling around in there. Yeah, so he's kind of like, I need to check on him. I'm a little worried. So after that, uh, he is getting kind of weird. And this, so he's like, you know, this is making me nervous. So I'm going, he's like, okay, well, I'll see you later. Well, he snatches uh, Roger's phone book and he calls his ex-wife. And he mm-hmm. says, listen, I'm your ex-husband's next door neighbor. I'm a little worried about him. He's acting cuckoo banana boats. I think that maybe you should come and check on him. And she's like, well, I can't. I have to go to work at 630 in the morning, but I'll give him a call. Yeah. So she calls and he doesn't answer because he's deep in Vietnam writing right now. So yeah. he's in it. So the next day, he's he she comes to the door. I want to say before this scene uh-huh. is the one of the most unhinged parts of this movie. Mm-hmm. I have never seen someone brush their teeth. Oh, God. The way this man does it. I want, uh, if if you, dearly departed listener, do this, I need to immediately know. Please comment on our Instagram post. He ha- He's standing, and he acts like everything's fine. Yeah, it's normal. He acts like it's totally normal. Uh-huh. He's standing in front of the mirror. Mm-hmm. He's getting ready to brush his teeth. And you might think the scariest part is thinking something's going to show up. That's what I thought. No. Because I'm like, I have a whole, th- so that's kind of like, uh, a thing that scares me. Oh, I hate that. I is hate if I in look mirror. in the look in the bathroom mirror, and if I look up and there's something behind me, I don't want that. No, I don't ever want that to happen. Since the Candyman movies. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it's a thing that yeah. happens in a lot of movies. They close yeah. the medicine cabinet and bam, something creepy's behind them. I'll tell you what I never wanted in my life is, and my my daughter just moved out of her first apartment, and we're moving her in her second apartment, and her first apartment, um, it had the mirror directly across from the shower curtain behind her in my house my shower curtain is next to me so there's no shower curtain behind me oh yeah. i don't want to stand in front of there's the mirror a shower and, curtain behind me oh I, know. I gotta have that open before i look in that mirror i know i don't want something poking up poking up behind yeah me. I, no I, 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 no thank you no so anyway he goes to brush his teeth and he does something so casually that i am convinced that this is how this actor brushes his teeth in real life um no one taught him better Oh, that's oh what God. I'm guessing. Instead of putting the toothbrush on his toothpaste in a little, people do different things. Always getting on my kids because they put a big old wave like the Aquafresh commercial. Yeah, damn, that was Aquafresh. And plus, that's just too much toothpaste for too your much. mouth. Even uh, even a long stripe is too, too much. much. I always have taught them a pea, and I, a pea size amount. Put your pea size, a green pea size amount, on your toothbrush. That's it. What did he do? He put the tube of toothpaste. Between his, betwixt his lips. Yes. And squeezed it straight into his mouth with his mouth closed and then brushed his teeth. It was such a quick move without thought. I questioned what happened, but then I realized what happened. I knew immediately this is how he brushes his teeth in Mm -hmm. real life. Mm -hmm. And much like the same side of the booth sitters, Mm -hmm. I will take a stand on this. And milk drinkers. I take a stand. With dinner? Milk with dinner? Oh, milk with dinner. I take a stand on putting the toothpaste squeezing it betwixt your lips directly into your mouth no yeah that's gonna be a no for me that too. was the most perfect that's like one of those me. things where it's i've had heard that people legend does tell <laughs> what does legend tell <laughs> of people who put the milk in the bowl before the cereal get out of here i know 
I so I have I, you got me on that Mulala milk. You got the banana milk. Yeah, because that is legit <laughs> banana Mulala, and um, because I don't I don't try to use almond milk because I feel like it's causing the California to have a drought. You know. Well, also it's so guilty. watery, and so I. And then I like oat milk, but here's what I don't like. I don't like oat milk on oat cereal. I feel it's too much. Too many oats. Too many oats. And and also, do you feel like, or is it my nose broken since having COVID twice, do you think that oat milk has a slightly, every now and then, a little bit of a fish paste kind of odor? No. I'm broken. No, I don't like that for you at all. (laughs) Every now and then. I wish you could see my face right now. (laughs) No. I love oat milk, but I like it in a coffee. I don't want it on my cereal. I don't want it hot. I like it oh. iced. I don't want hot oat milk. That that isn't. <laughs> I do love it. I love it. Ugh, hot oat milk. Ugh. <laughs> no, I don't like it. That's where the fish paste comes no, from. I never had that. So, but now I'll be paying attention. So anyway, you, we have to report back. Do you yes. did I ruin oat milk for you? No, I'm gonna be sniffing it now. But so I like. I got that magic spoon cereal. Oh. That's like grain free. Mm-hmm. And you use that with the Mulala banana milk? Oh, that sounds like a, a heavenly experience. No, I will tell you. I think the Mulala banana milk is $7 and I, the Magic Spoon is 10 That's a $17 cereal situation. But. Well, you know what? We're grown-ass women. Yeah. If we want to pay $17 to eat our cereal, then What do we, we work will. for? What That's do we right. work for? Certainly not to squirt toothpaste straight in our mouth. No. Nope. I'll have my Mulala. Thank you. I, I may not get a vacation, but I'm going to have my Mulala. <laughs> straight <laughs> i hope everyone just heard that too <laughs> um where were we at so brushed his teeth uh-huh oh squirt the mouth squirt the mouth <laughs> brush the teeth squirt the mouth he gets getting ready for bed he puts on his jammies which i noticed right away and i told you those are old scrub pants yeah but didn't i feel i don't know i feel like he was in a medical show at some point i don't know uh, he might have been did he steal them from the set <laughs> he was just like "Ooh, these are just like so comfy i'm just gonna wear them on every set that i have to wear jammies i will say he is fit as hell he was fit as hell he's like fit to a level of like an 80s aerobic star yeah he's really cute yeah. too yeah. so he was definitely a tasty snack in the 80s <laughs> i mean i'm still more from for for norm like he's always gonna be my. Well, cup he's of cuddly. Tea. He is a real snuggler. That's right. But I did. I was like, okay, this guy could be on Star Search doing the dance in the background because he is. Could very he be fit. on Solid Gold? So he is a Solid Gold. He needs dancer. some lycra suspenders so he can be on Solid It'll Gold. A bow tie. Time. So anyway, what's happening after that? So he. So, so um, he he's been sleeping in his son's bed. Well, here's what's confusing, though. Yeah. Because his son didn't live there, right? No, they all did. So With he, the aunt? Yes, because it was kind of like you got – because remember when the kid went missing, she, the aunt was roaming around the house. Here's the thing. I, I don't mean to disagree with you, uh-huh. but I have a different take on this. Okay. Because he says that when my mom died, my aunt raised me. That's right. And I think that him, his wife, and his son were just visiting the aunt when the son went missing. Okay. And I think that's his childhood bed. That he gets back in. Oh. That is a covered wagon, Laura Ingalls, Wilder site. Stage it is. Bed. It's, I mean, I would have loved that bed. I would have too. But I feel like they did live with her. And I'll tell you why. Tell, why is There's that? one thing. Okay. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. Oh, we are. Because I don't know we're what gonna, this tasty We're so morsel. spicy. <laughs> um, so because he goes and opens the drawer and he pulls out that bunny and he smells it. And yes, because like, it's. That's his bunny from childhood. I thought it was because it was his son's bunny. And so he was, like, missing his son so bad. Oh, I thought that was his own childhood bunny. 
I mean, that looked more like a '60s bunny. It did look like a '60s bunny. It's true. Oh, guys, get back to us. Yes. Did he live there as an adult with his family, or was that? Were they just visiting his aunt, and his son was just there when they? We may never know. We may never know. I'm not going to watch it again. That's right. We're not. So, um, at any rate, so. I think it's almost time the next day. So the next day. For the babysitting. Well, no. Oh, no? So the first thing before that was the next day after George went calls his ex-wife. Oh, that's right. So she shows up at the house. And you're first, there's some alarm bells because, number one, she said she can't. She has to go to work. Number two, she's wearing, like, a a purple sparkly evening gown sort of thing with, like, like a a rhinestone. Polyester, rhinestone situation. Like a a real Club 54, uh, Studio 54 outfit. (laughs) Yeah. So she comes in, and he has a shotgun Mm -hmm. because... He's preparing for the night. Oh, he's preparing to lock down and get this thing that's in the closet. Yeah, because now he realizes it has to has to be at midnight. Yeah. <coughs> and so the door opens. There's his ex-wife. And he, she's like, oh, I'm worried about you. Why do you have that gun? And so as they're talking, these shotgun shells roll across the table and fall on the floor. And she bends down to pick them up. And when she stands up, she's the gross, ugly witch. Yes. And she has these really long red nails. I thought you were going to say long, pendulous breasts. <laughs> indeed. These were some big old monster boobies. Monster boobies for days. Yes. So, um, and so he, she, and also with her teeth were just horrifying. So, horrifying. Yeah. It was like a real fun monster. They were almost, she, that, she was almost a, like, Jim Henson monster. Oh, yeah. Like, this was, this is Very what, puppety. Yeah. So, and it was cool. So, um, it's like chasing him around the house and, uh, he, well, he, and he shoots it. And yeah. it drops dead. It runs out the front porch and drops dead. And it turns back into his actual ex-wife. And so yeah. he starts freaking out. What have I done? Because she's he, got a he, hole in her And stomach. she's laying on the porch. And all of a sudden you hear sirens. Because Harold has woken up to the sound of shotguns. And he's like, look, I think my neighbor has tried to kill himself. Right. So the cops pull up. And Roger's trying to be Mr. Casual. He took his wife in the house and... Like, locked her in the under-the-stairs cabinet, Harry Potter styles. And one of the cops is the cop from um, In the Heat of the Night. That's right. And I recognize his voice immediately. Yes. And then the yeah. other one is um, a black actor that's been in... He was in um, tons of things. He's in It recently. Yeah, most recently, yeah, was that yeah. the movie, our modern It. I feel like they were both in In the Heat of the Night. They're probably. Yeah. They, both those guys, I think, were in, in the heat of the you night. Would re- you recognize them yeah. immediately. Yeah. So the cops pull up, and they're like, hey, buddy, what's up? What you doing? And and Roger's sitting on the porch, like, pretending he cleaned his shotgun, and it went off. That's his answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the cops are like, oh, man, are you Roger Cobb, the author? And he's like, yeah. Everybody and- wants to suck his dick, man. Totally. So everyone is like, it's like a real, real readery town. Yeah. Everybody, Everybody's a friggin' a reader. <laughs> I guess it would be what it would be like to be Stephen King on I'm wondering if that's what they're trying to do. Be the, uh, an author of that popularity. Yeah. So um, at any rate, he he's like, no, no, I'm Mr. Casual over here. Everything's fine. Right. And the cop's like, can I use your bathroom? Mm-hmm. He's like, yes. He's like, you know, not wanting them to come in the house, obviously, because he feels like he just shot his ex-wife in the stomach. Right. So they come inside. He's making them coffee, and he's being real skittery and weird. Mm-hmm. And the cop goes to the bathroom, and he's kind of looking around. And what you'll notice, too, from the beginning of the film throughout the entire film is his aunt, who passed away, was an artist. 
but the the paintings she would draw were horrific horrific and they're like dark dark dolly paintings yeah it's very surreal but like hellish scenes. hellish scenes yeah so the cops staring at one of them oh i forgot the other thing that happened to roger was he was in the shed getting shotgun shells and all of the gardening tools came to life oh, and yeah. tried to murder him yes that's right I and he locked that. them in a bed a spare bedroom right so the cops finally leave and harold kind of butts his way in on the conversation too because where harold is just looking out for roger yes and he so he gets not leave Roger no, alone. Oh, no. So he he gets them all to leave and so he goes to the closet there uh covered under the stairs and sees that his uh ex-wife's body's missing. Mm-hmm. So the next th- thing you know, she has the shotgun and she it's the witch has come back. It's not he did not murder his ex-wife and so she's chasing him around the house again. And so he opens that room with all the gardening tools that had come to life. Well, they're still hanging out midair, mm-hmm. and they kill that witch. Mm-hmm. So he takes the body, and he chops it up. And while he's in the mid, mid getting ready, rid of the body in the yard, because, like, no one can leave Roger alone. Right. For 10 minutes. The Jack day. cannot be by himself That's at all. right. He's here for solitude, and everyone is in his face constantly. So the hot, sexy neighbor lady comes by, and she's like, oh, hey. Oh, oh, she was in the pool. Mm-hmm. Like, she just helps herself or whatever. Oh, she's I like, just oh. swam in it. When your aunt was here, I would just swim whenever I wanted. She said I could swim, and I'm hot in my 80s uh, one piece. <laughs> so um, she's like, oh, I'll see you later then. You know, and he's this. that's when she says, I know when a man wants to work and when he wants to play. <laughs> Ew. Yes. So he digs the hole. He digs the body and buries the body. Well... By the time after the uh, fruits of his labor, a, the neighbor's dog digs up the hand and runs off with it. Yeah, so there's just like the dog with the monster hand. In yeah, and it's pretty funny. And so then um, he goes back in the house. He's getting ready to fall a bit into bed after digging holes all day, which he never showers. In the entire movie, I don't think he showers. I mean, they don't show anyone using the toilet in, in movies and TV yeah, shows. But, but at the same time, he, all he does is splash his face with water repeatedly. Yeah. I you and know his hose, armpits be stank. That's right. And hose, uh, hoses toothpaste in his mouth. But <laughs> anyway, so uh, he, he, the sexy na- neighbor lady comes back. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, hey, are you ready to play? I thought you might. I, I knew you would want to play. And then you Ugh. look down, and she has her little son with her, who's like three or four years old. Mm-hmm. He's adorable little kid. Robert. Robert. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "So here's my son. Here's his jammies. Here's his. Sh- I'll be gone for just a few hours." And he's like, "Wait a minute!" And she like keeps like foisting her kid on him, and he's like, uh, he's she, like "I have a haunted house here, bitch." Yeah, like. like <laughs> And he sees the little boy is, like, kind of giggly and cute. And he looks down, and that hand has attached itself to the back of the little boy's shirt. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll babysit him. Just get the fuck out so I can get this hand off this kid. So he, like, hauls ass around, the like, through the hallway. And the little boy hauls ass. And the mom's like, where are you guys going? So he grabs the little boy and runs into the bathroom and pulls that hand off of him and shoves it down the toilet and flushes it better toilets in there than i have at my house that's right you're taking that whole hand down there listen i have a, a home depot special you can't fletch i i you have a couple of plies and that thing needs a plunger i yeah. hate it mm-hmm. anyway so he flushes the whole ass hand down there and comes out of the bathroom with the baby 
and he's fussy a little bit and he's like oh he just had to go potty i took him potty and she's like okay cool here's all his shit no mind that i don't know you just take my son in the bathroom and do his potty business with him yes very weird the 80s were a different time the 80s were a different time because baby because maybe she was like well they're both boys it's fine i guess that's what they would have thought back then yeah anyway um so she leaves and leaves him with this little boy and the little boy's playing and stuff, and he kind of cries for his mom, and he's just being a little bit, you know, she just drops him off at stranger's house, so he's crying for his mom, no right. doubt, right? So he finally gets... He's probably used to this shit. Probably. So he, um, you know, his mom's a little hoary. So anyway, so he, uh, he lays him on the couch, and the little boy falls asleep, and so Roger starts writing again. So he's ass deep in Vietnam again, going through his flashbacks. So... I will tell you a little bit about the flashbacks. So his best bud in Vietnam is Ben. And they call him Big Ben because it's played by Richard Mall, who's like the really tall guy, big guy. Um, and they're basically running point on their uh, squadron or whatever you call it in you just sounded really like knowledgeable about <laughs> the running point on their squadron. I'm like, I didn't even know. So any they're of those just words. basically going out into ahead of everyone to see if it's safe to go out. Mm-hmm. That's why they're all being chickens. Yeah. And like, I'm not going out. And so him and his best friend go out to to see, make sure that they're not people hiding in the bushes ahead of them. Right. Which of course there are. But anyway, so when he <laughs> looks up from his writing, he sees that the little boy is missing, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh shit. Like, how you could take your eyes off that little boy in a haunted house, I'll never know. Yeah. So. It's his PTSD. He keeps revisiting. And that's keeps, it. Yeah. Flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So he hears little giggly footsteps and he runs down the hall and he sees him just go out of sight and into a room and shut the door. And he sees, he opens the door and these two grody little, they're not little, they're kind of tall, but they're monster children. And yeah. they have the little boy and they're real creepy, giggly. And f- their faces are horrible. Yeah, they're horrible. And they're pulling this little boy up the chimney. Mm-hmm. And so Roger hauls ass and grabs a hold of his little feet and he's pulling him down. And finally they let him go after a huge struggle in the fireplace. So he puts him in the... <laughs> this is it's finally a funny segue because he's just like, cool, you're all dirty. Let's go put you in the bathtub. The monsters didn't get you, take you away. I was waiting for the drain to suck him down the, the drain <laughs> at that point. I'm like... I don't trust anything in this house. No. So he gives the little boy a bath and gets him in his jammies. And the mom shows up. And she's like, oh, was Roger nice to you? And the little boy's like, yeah. She's like, oh, thanks. And then she leaves. It's like, no bigs. Yeah, no big deal. I just left my kid here. Right. So the next thing that happens is he's waiting. He decides, you know, fuck it. All right. I'm going to go get my neighbor, Harold. Harold's all up in my business. Now I'm going to make him really a part of my business. Mm -hmm. So he takes him upstairs, and he's like, have you ever been hunting? And he's like, uh, yeah. And he's like, because at this time, Harold's, like, humoring Roger, because basically he's like, I do not know what's going to come out of this dude's mouth next. So he brings him upstairs where he's got all those cameras set up, and he's like, listen. He's like, (laughs) and it's really funny because he hands him this harpoon gun, and he's like, have you ever seen one of these before? He's like, yep, every day. (laughs) He's like, what is it? He's like, "It's it's my uncle's harpoon gun. He's like, um when i open the door he's like it's i've got raccoons and he's like raccoons huh he's like yeah he's like as soon as i open the door you gotta shoot it he's right. like do he just thinks he's insane at this point <laughs> right at this point he's like okay bro he's like okay he's like but we're gonna do it to, when the clock strikes midnight so he gets behind this twin size mattress and he's got like a fireplace what do you call those things like a poker yeah the poker and so the fireplace poker and he's like 
guards the door and there's a big countdown and when the clock chimes midnight he opens it and that huge fucking monster comes flying yeah. out of the closet and George Went is just losing his shit because he cannot believe that Roger has actually seen this thing. Yeah. And so they're fighting him off and he's like, shoot him, shoot him. And he shoots it. But the cord from the harpoon gun wraps around Roger's leg and it pulls him into the closet. Yeah. So at this point, Roger gets pulled back to Vietnam. And you see what happens, the big, big bad situation that happens to Roger in Vietnam that causes all his PTSD and everything is as they're walking ahead of their squadron, they um, come upon the... Viet Cong and Ben gets shot and Roger runs up to him and he's like come on buddy he's like no I'm gonna die he's like you have to kill me you have to kill me because he doesn't want to be left there to be a POW because you know that's horrifying and so but he can't kill his best friend he's like I'll get help I'll you know and he's like no you have to kill me and he's so upset because the um, Vietnamese soldiers get a hold of him and they ended up you find out that he's is tortured for weeks so as he's being hauled away he said i will get you for this i'll get you for what you've done to me and that was just horrible to see that happen to his Mm. best friend and that's Mm. what his struggle is with vietnam and that's the story he's writing about right so he's thrust back into the situation and sees it all over again and um i forget how he falls back to his normal dimension he swims back through the swamp water yeah he's like in the pool and then he's that's when well he comes flying out of the closet oh because he wakes up george went who's been hanging out sitting vigil at the closet waiting for roger to come back and he's like holy shit dude like he had just seen what there is in fact ghosts in this house and so he's he's laid out on the twin mattress he had drunk a bunch of whiskey and was drunk so Mm -hmm. he walks him home Roger walks Harold home and lays him in the bed, and it's kind of funny because he says, um, he's like a raccoon, huh? Like, uh uh-huh, like no shit. Um, There was a funny snippet while they're they're watching TV at night. He's when uh, Roger's babysitting that little boy where they're watching the TV show his ex-wife is on. And there's this whole soap opera scene. She's like, how could you? He's like, I, and the actor opposite her on the TV show is like, I've been a male prostitute my whole life. He's like, and your sister paid $2,000 to spend one night with me. It was so funny. As well, the idea that you've been a male prostitute your, your whole, whole life, life is beyond funny. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so... Um, yeah, so Harold now knows that Roger is seeing things. So Roger is kind of just losing his shit at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he's trying to just figure out what to do when he remembers seeing a painting in the shed. Mm-hmm. And part of it was covered by a rag. And he, when he pulls the rag off the painting, he sees that his son's face, and he looks like it's he's trapped in the medicine cabinet in mm-hmm. the bathroom. So he hauls ass upstairs to the medicine cabinet, and uh, he smashes the mirror in it, and it's like a cavernous abyss in there. Mm-hmm. So he, It's like when you're out on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, and you first come out of the, the you know, like the down part, uh-huh. and then it's like all dark around you, and all of a sudden you're in like a, it's just you're in a big dark room with water on the ground. That's exactly the situation he's it is. finding himself in. So he falls down. He's like tries to go down with a rope, and that bat creature that they made a puppet, mm-hmm. the bat creature swoops at him and like basically uh, shoots at him, 
I don't know how a bat creature shot a shotgun, but it did. Mm-hmm. And it shot the rope so he it went, held goes, it in his downstairs hands. In his down- <laughs> <laughs> He's holding it in his downstairs hands. <laughs> so Roger plummets into black waters below. And then he's back in Vietnam, but this time he sees a cage and he sees his son trapped in this bamboo cage. And his son, you know, he's overjoyed to see his son. He gets him out of the cage and he's like, Dad, he's coming back. And then you hear gunfire and you realize that who the person coming back is his best friend, Big Ben. But he's in a in a state of decomposition. Mm-hmm. He's like skeletal. He looks really cool. I thought he was awesome looking. Mm-hmm. And um, there was only a couple of times, though, you could see his mouth underneath it. Oh, yeah. But it was still cool looking. Yeah. So and the actor's mouth, I mean. Yeah. So um, Ben is out for revenge. He's like, I fucking told you I was going to get you for what you did to me. So right. he stole his son from within that house. So um, they're hauling ass trying to get away from Ben. Ben is like kind of, they're trading like barbs back and forth. And he's like, you know, kind of telling him I'm going to get you and all this kind of stuff chasing him around he tells his son go hide or get out of here and I will I'm gonna deal with this you know guy so um he he shoves him off of a it's like a precipice almost that there's a whole chase but at the end there's like this house of course has so many illusions and um it's it looks like the house is hanging off a cliff and the, Ben is going to push Roger off of it, but he ends up getting thrown off himself. Mm-hmm. So you think he's dead, and you he goes back in there, and he's like, Jimmy, where are you? And he's trying to find Jimmy, and then he all of a sudden Ben appears with Jimmy and a knife, and he's going, he's, he tells his ultimate goal, He uh, you find out, is that he's like, I'm going to either kill your son or you're going to kill yourself. So there's a moment where the night, the... Ben takes a knife and cuts off Roger's fingers, but then really his fingers weren't cut off. Mm-hmm. And he realizes, it kind of clicks in his head all of a sudden, that this house has been, like his aunt told him, it's going to trick you. Mm-hmm. So the, it's basically tricks that this uh, person plays on him, mm-hmm. just like hallucinations kind mm-hmm. of, or, you know, showing him things. And I think we don't really know if it's the house playing the tricks because they know what his kryptonite is which yeah. is right his friend's death right or Vietnam. if ben has actually come back or if ben has come back or if the ben that has come back is a creation of the house right because it wasn't it wasn't ben that's that true. was tormenting, tormenting the, aunt. the aunt it was something that drove her to suicide that's true so i in my it mind i was the thinking it was the house using what what is the thing that has most traumatized um yeah because she says it knows you this house knows everything about you yeah so in the end, he says, you can't hurt me anymore because I'm not afraid of you. And he takes a grenade and sh- off of his belt and shoves it into his ribs. First of all, live grenade that he had just the whole time. Well, he pulled it off of Ben's belt. Oh, I thought it was in his own outfit. Oh, no. It was yeah. on. It was in Ben. He grabs it off Ben, pulls the pin and shoves it up in his ribs. Mm. So then he blows up and they get away. And the house basically lets on fire. Yeah. He explodes with the uh, the grenade. And then um, his ex-wife pulls up in a taxi because obviously this is the first time she's able to get out and check on her mm-hmm. ex-husband. And the little boy and him come out of the house and they're all happily united. Yes. And that is the end. With their new best friend. Harold. Harold, the neighbor. <laughs> and the dog. And the dog. 
Um, how many skulls would you give this out of five? I'd say this is a two and a half. Yeah. It, I really fun. enjoyed it. Yeah. It is fun. A two and a half. It, and, I, and I say that lovingly. Yeah. Like, watch it. It's a great fun it's movie so to fun. watch. Yeah. It's not super scary there nope. was a few jump scares that Ooh, got me a couple though. couple yeah, of them but i am i am like a jump square queen jump scare queen i it's fun i love them i i will it will i will know it's coming it will still get me me too um so that i really enjoyed it even though i'm giving it a 2.5 that's just because it's not my flavor of horror but i thought it was really fun and the acting is very good yeah it's it's not it might be a kind of a b movie but the acting is not no it's good acting yeah and it's some um you know there's some good placement of songs mm-hmm. because it, they're funny speaking of mm-hmm. something to tell you about that okay is that it is 52 minutes and 14 seconds long <laughs> no but i was noticing the um the the, the music producer for it they're his name was like I'm like that's really familiar. Henry to me. Man, I saw that too. Yeah, Manfredini. Okay. Which Henry Manfredini? I, I'm like I, we've talked about him before. Uh huh. So I looked him up. Of course, he's from Chicago, Illinois. Whoop whoop. Is an American composer and jazz soloist, which I knew because this was a, a trivia question when I was oh. here the other day. Um, but he scored that more than 100 films, including the entire Friday the 13th series. Sweet. And I'm pretty sure uh-huh. he either helped or was part of the um, Netflix, um, the one that we watched, the series, the three Fear movies. Street? Fear Street. That's amazing. remember they pulled from that? Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was. He also uh, did Through the Looking Glass, Here Come the Tigers, Manny's Orphans, Night Flowers, Through the Danny. Looking Glass. Do you remember that yes. 80s? Alice? That yes. was freaking it creepy. Was freaking creepy. All the Friday the 13th movies, Swamp Thing, Spring Break, um, The Hills Have Eyes, uh, House, of course, uh, Slaughter High, Cameron's Closet, Deep Star Six, The Horror Show, Jason Goes to Hell, Amore, Wishmaster, The Omega Code, Jason X, Wolves of Wall Street in 2002, hmm. The Anna Nicole Smith Story in oh. 2007. I want a pickle. Uh, House of Usher, <laughs> Mrs. Washington Goes to Smith, Snow White what and Deadly Summer. What the hell Summer. is that? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Lake Erie, a talking cat, um, <laughs> and a chance in the world. And it does not list it on here, but I swear to you, because I have those records from mm-hmm. the new, what is it called again, Fear Street series, and I'm almost positive he was involved in that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I know that Harry Manfredini. We've talked about him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's he's, cool. Yeah. yeah. I have another little piece of trivia for you okay and that is that these this script was originally inspired by the twilight zone the movie 1983 movie and after seeing that film decker and his friends which included ethan wiley and steve minor who was the um director yes and shane black planned to make their own independent anthology movie based on that movie so they were all three going to have their own anthology movie yeah their project was never completed so decker used the idea for his unproduced segment for this film and so it was the original screenplay that decker wrote was a traditional horror film with no humor and then the comedy was all added by ethan wiley who rewrote the script okay like a horror comedy yeah so it's like this basically this group of friends just like made this thing i feel like this movie needed the comedy because if you really were like this movie is about the horrors of vietnam it would have just not worked out it would have been like no this is not fun no i agree so they yeah it did they did a good job um, and then the other thing that I thought was really interesting was that Kane Hodder, Hodder, 
and that name might be familiar with, with to you. He was the stunt coordinator for the film, but he is known to horror fans as the one who played the icon Jason Voorhees more than anybody else. Oh yeah, he did it in four films. Yeah, Hodor. total, mm-hmm. and he um, which included Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. He's been at cons and things yeah. like that. And Steve Miner also directed Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Yeah, that's cool. I there like was that. a lot of there was a lot of crossover. Um, with this. Yeah. Yeah, Sean, Sean S. Cunningham, producer, produced the Friday the 13th movies, and Harry Manfredini wrote the music for this and the Friday the 13th movies. Oh, yeah. That's really so, cool. It's very, very lots of interwoven pieces. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Dearly Departed Darkness Lovers, watch it. It's yeah, fun. It's fun. It's on Shudder. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good spooky afternoon watch. Watch it for some good, like, um, what do you call that when it's, when it's like, actual... Uh, horror um, effects. It's practical Practical effects. effects. Watch it for the good practical yeah, effects. Yeah, yeah. There's it, a lot this, of them. You know what this movie reminds me of? It reminds me of something that you would watch after Saturday morning cartoons here mm-hmm. in locally. We had the... Uh, creature feature. Creature feature from or, Dr. Paul Bearer, yes. and then this movie might be on it. Yeah, definitely. Or it could be on Up All Night with Rhonda. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, too. Yeah. Um... Do you have anything to talk to raise the coffin lid for this week? I actually, yes. I have a couple of things. Let's raise it up. Hi, Aunt Gert. It's been a week. Aunt Gert. Come on out. You have time to walk around. We have a few things to talk about. There goes the bat flying out the window. Goodbye, bat. So, um, it has come to my attention that it has almost been a year since we did our... um, Ed and Lorraine Warren podcast. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, last night... I watched The Conjuring with my oh, kids because it's spooky season. And it's yeah. on my Halloween movie list that yeah. we posted uh, last week for our last week's pod. So, I mean, that's a scary movie. It is. It's yeah. a good one. So that was one thing. And then the other thing, the, the bigger thing for me was um, watching, I started the first three episodes of uh, House of Hammer on Discovery+. Plus. <gasps> you did start it. I did. Is it freaky deaky? Hell yes. Oh it, my god. It's um very uh, what, What's it on again? Discovery+. Plus. Oh, that's why I haven't seen it yet because I don't have that. It's a, it's like $3.99 a month or $1.99 a month. It's okay. really not that expensive for Discovery+. Plus. And I got it because it has all the ghost hunters and like all the ghosty shows. You know, I love a good ghosty show. Get it for the ghost shows. Keep it for the Army Hammer Doc. That's right. Because I knew, but you you know, but you don't know. Mm. Um, that lineage is they are fucked up people. Mm. So... Also, he's just like a sick individual, and it's very upsetting in some ways because um, this a couple of women come forward and tell their story of what they went through with him, and you find out more about who was the whistleblower, officially, mm. on Army Hammer, and she posted those the ones who's posted those texts between them, mm-hmm. and the voice messages mm-hmm. that he says some horrifying things. And the thing is, is that this is by no means any disrespect to the BDSM community. So that that has a place. People, you know, that's a consensual practice. Mm -hmm. There's rules. Um, There's things that it has to be 100% consent on both sides. Yeah. So what Army Hammer does is he exploits that for his sick and twisted Mm. um, proclivities he he usually preys upon girls who don't have any BDSM experience, so they don't understand mm-hmm. that part of it. The only thing that they've had experience with is watching Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. 
you know what I mean? And, and yeah, which is like a joke in the BDSM community, from what I hear. So I mean, so they're just like, oh, it's probably like this. He you know? and he doesn't even come off that way at first. He'll just start. He has an mo, and he does it the same way with all these girls. Ugh. And he's into like I think it's called shibari or something, but it's like Japanese rope tying, and it's like really. Yes. Yeah. I recently um, saw some of that at the oddities mm. um, thing because you it can like the Japanese art of rope tying. Mm-hmm. Interesting to see live in a room full of people. Like, okay. In, in the at three o'clock in the afternoon, it was a. Was it fleshy? It was. <laughs> was there were the, was it nude? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm sorry that I missed that. Yeah. It was very interesting. It was like oh okay oh, we're doing this. I don't think it was full nude, but it was nude enough. <laughs> Nude enough for me. You know, me. that's plenty. Yeah. At 3 o'clock on a sweaty Saturday afternoon. Yeah, it was just extremely hot. And, and I was su- like, and, and surprise. Hot, and I don't mean, like, necessarily in a sexy way. It was probably in a sexy way for a lot of people. But Perchance. I was um, extremely, like, feeling like I'm going to get heat exhaustion. Right that's now. right. That's right. No yeah, one, it was no right one really wants a surprise shibari, I'm sure. <laughs> so. <laughs> Definitely not me. I don't. So. Anyway, he, he's like, oh, you know, I find it so hot. Like, he pretends to be real innocent about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And um, he pushes these girls, and he it's not consensual. Mm. Um, and it's actually really horrible. And it, it, um, one girl can't even talk about what he did. And then, you know, he kept one girl captive. Uh, everything that he did against their will, you know, sexual assault. Just awful. He's an awful person. Uh, um, and so far, he claims that he's in rehab and therapy, and that's great. But it doesn't change the fact that you are an awful person who did awful things. Also, how has he not gotten in trouble with the law? Well, they did uh, launch uh, an investigation, uh-huh. and there is a lawyer handling the case for the main um, prosecuting uh, the victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, yeah, we're going forward with a criminal investigation. Like, it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes. And his claim is that, oh, it was all consensual BDSM play. And it's like, no, motherfucker. It wasn't. Mm-mm. So he's a real piece of shit. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. But I'm going to watch it with the same look on my face I have right now, which is, like, grossed out. Yeah. And you and you find out that his father and his father's father, they were all pieces of crap. Yeah. That's one thing I had heard right away is like, oh, his grandfather and his dad were also disgusting. Yeah, his grand something about a, a throne or something. Oh yeah, they had a sex throne. So Army Hammer in the house that he grew up in, his dad had a sex throne with hooks on it, and there was like orgies and all kinds of stuff in that house. Interesting. Yeah. Yikes! I will definitely be tuning in. Yeah, it's like a um, I I had to like it, I don't get. I don't really get jarred very much, mm-hmm. but it was like after I watched that, I'm like, I watched the first three episodes. I'm like, yep, I'm done with uh, that for today. I'll finish it, but I just need a break. I need mm-hmm. to bra- wash my brain and, yeah. you know. I have to be in a good headspace to watch that because it's, I don't want to watch it on a dark day. That's not No, good. no, no, because it's upsetting and yeah. you get so angry on behalf of these women. And so, you know, like, uh, I, it just, if this fucking piece of shit shows up in movies again shame how on could anyone that i mean but it, it could but like how like why I would know. anyone ever do that yeah gross hmm well that's a gross one it was it was terrible i but definitely will watch it, it and is, feel just as horrible yes um my coffin lid was very different yes <laughs> um, lighter i hope kind of but i will say i i 
teased it last week. Oh, Not yes. like you heard it here first, That's but right. I knew that they were going to be uh, revisiting Adnan Syed's case um, the, after Baltimore um, State Attorney. What happened is on October 7th of last year, um, the S- state of Maryland passed a law saying that if you were convicted of a crime as a minor that you were going to be serving 20 years to life or 20 years or more for, you could petition to have your case reviewed. Mm -hmm. So for someone like Adnan, who was out of appeals, Mm -hmm. because his appeals just kept getting denied because Mm -hmm. there's so much corruption, Uh um, especially in the city of Baltimore, is really, really bad with with, uh, police corruption. Not not just based on Adnan Syed's trial, but But I have... I've spent a lot of time investigating this just in my true crime stuff about Baltimore. And it's just like the cops just over and over again, getting in trouble for like malfeasance. It's just crazy. Yeah. And if you're not familiar with the Adnan Syed case, it was made uh, brought to the public's attention from the podcast serial. So if you've never heard this, listen to serial and it's a really uh, fascinating and compelling listen. So, and you know, Sarah Koenig has got some criticism because she was emotionally remote in that thing but she's a journalist yeah and they weren't it was the like the first true crime podcast to be very 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 popular but they weren't going out to necessarily solve the crime they were telling the story of it they were telling the story of the justice system yeah and how even if someone is guilty or innocent they still deserve a fair trial yeah and how the trial wasn't fair regardless of whether you thought he was guilty or innocent that trial was not fair no there were so many things withheld and yeah yeah and i give sarah koenig a lot of credit and this american life who produced the serial podcast because without those rabia chaudhry who was adnan syed's cousin um would not have been able to get her voice out there and get his case scene yeah so thank goodness for for serial but um and and it's like a good jumping off place to like the beginning of this case but regardless last year on october 7th um they they had this rule that you could ask for your case to be reviewed by the state attorney's office and there was one person whose job it was to start going through these cases well on october 8th the very next day um his attorney who had been previously working with the Innocence Project and had uncovered a bunch of stuff, put this case forward to be reviewed. Upon review, the state attorney, who's also the prosecutor, basically, um, said there are too many things in this case. We cannot say he's innocent. That's not for us to say, as pro- as you know, whether you believe that or not, but it's not for the prosecutors to say, but we will say that his trial was not fair. And the main reason why it was not fair is because so much Bra- um, Brady evidence was withheld. Yeah. So Brady evidence is evidence that you have to share with the defense. Yes. Um, in order for them to put on a good case. Mm-hmm. And and in this situation, there were two um, other suspects that were one had failed two polygraph tests, and all while polygraph tests are not admissible in court, it still says something that they failed two polygraphs tests. Um, and the other person, the other failed two polygraph tests and then the vehicle of Heyman Lee was found near to one of these person's family members home so they can never really figure out why Heyman Lee's car was found where it was could it be possible that this person that failed two polygraph tests and then their family lived in this home that was very close to where it was found you know that was one thing and then the other thing was that um, the other suspect 
had threatened her, was known to have said that they were going to make her disappear, and then later in life was convicted of multiple sexual ser- serial sexual assaults. Yeah. So um, I know who those suspects are because I've investigated this case a lot. I'm not trying to, like, uh, whatever. But if you've spent some time learning about the case, you too will know who they are. Yeah. I'm not going to say their names on this podcast because I haven't heard anybody say their names out loud, but I know who they are from right. putting together the context clues. Right. And, yeah, either one of them is a more believable suspect than Adnan, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. And uh, so because of those and because of the, the third thing that was basically his conviction was based on was – on incoming call um, cell phone cell pings, yep. they had purposely, the prosecution had purposely removed a um, a face letter, like what a cover letter, mm-hmm. um, from the documents from AT&T that said you cannot use incoming calls as cell phone tower ping locations. Uh-huh. You can use outgoing, right. but you cannot use incoming. Yeah. Well, they removed that page, and then those incoming calls are what, they based this like timeline on for the night that supposedly making it yes. completely inaccurate yes. well i was looking up because brady evidence there's a, a, a deposition that um i forget what they call it before they actually go to court where you're supposed to share mm-hmm. your yes. evidence yeah you have to share yeah. your evidence yeah um you have to give each person a chance to defend themselves if that's they don't right. know what's coming they can't defend themselves that's right and you also can't you have to you also have to include exculpatory evidence. Yeah. And they did not include yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not fair play if you don't do that. No. So uh, anyway, judge agreed and Adnan is out. Yeah. He could be tried again. Yeah. I find it highly unlikely that the city of Baltimore would let him out than to pay to put him on trial to put him back in again. I have a feeling they let him out because – there is someone else they'd like to try. Yeah. And they can't do that while he's being held. I hope there is someone else they like to try because as much as I'm happy for Adnan and his mom and dad and and Rabia and all, all of them that have gone through this, I am incredibly sad for Heyman Lee's family. They still don't know who – they have no closure. And her brother spoke at the hearing and said um, – this has been incredibly hard for us. Every time we think it's over, it gets dragged up again. Yeah. But I trust the justice system. Uh-huh. And I believe that if they are saying that he should, that we want the person to be, we want the person who's in jail basically to be the right person. Yeah. And with a fair trial. Yeah. So, you know, I just feel really sad for them. And I hope that they eventually can find out who did that. We're still waiting. We are. I'm so invested in this case. But they are still waiting on DNA evidence. DNA highly... Um, specific DNA evidence is being like gone over, and it could have been tested this whole time. Yes, like, it could have been. Except that they didn't have. Now it's being tested at another level okay. that would have been able because some of it came back. There was like two groups of DNA testing, I believe, and the first group came back in, inconclusive. Mm-hmm. But there's some more there, that is still being reviewed. It hasn't, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm very hopeful that that case will one day be solved. I'm still following the um, Ruben Flores and Paul Flores trial um, over the death of Kristen Smart. I really hope that they're on. It's on trial right now. It's, it had to stop for a whole week. It's been suspected that a juror has COVID, so oh, okay, it's supposed to pick back up next week. But I I'm see. ready for some of these assholes to that get, did terrible things it. to get what's their comeuppance. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So, anything else for the coffin lid? No. 
We could have called that True Crime Corner, but... We could have. All right, let's... All right, Aunt Gert, pull up your quilt. Night-night. Tuck back in. All right, little baddie, get in there and snuggle up. <laughs> Tanil had to watch me mime like I was shutting the coffin, actual shutting it's the coffin. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> she, he, she likes my teleplay that I, I do. do before. It's, it's like a- old-time radio here. <laughs> I owe it. Do you know that from Annie when they go to yeah. Aunt Annie and then go to the radio mm-hmm. when they're looking for her parents? Mm-hmm. All right, Tennille, we have come to get together today. We, we have, have got lunch here today. <laughs> we have we have given our opinion, and now it is time to say goodbye. Yes. And uh, come and uh, come and chat us up on all our social meds. We yeah. we have um, we have an Instagram which has a link tree that leads to our email, our Facebook page, and our Patreon, which has some uh, un- currently unpublished content. I think there's 18 episodes um, that you can subscribe to. Um, they, I think so. 18 episodes yeah. uh, uh, on Patreon and some never heard before. Never um, heard. So that's $3 a month if you want to become a patron for us. We would really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, it, w- it will help us to um, put our best uh, low, lower hands. Oh, yeah. <laughs> downstairs hands our forward. Best downstairs hands forward. <laughs> so that we can bring you um, this excellent quality content that we bring you every week. It was, it was this week, I can tell. I think that Tanil and I both were slap happy. Tonight. That's right. We were. It we was were, a good time. We were. Um, so next week we have we'll maybe bring one you... more movie and then Salem's Lot. Yes. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, I we have so. one more movie coming and then Salem's Lot. We have some ins- exciting guests that maybe you've been waiting for. Maybe ar- you have. Up around the river bend. That's right. We have a few guests coming in the fall. That will be fun. I always like when we have a guest on. It is. It's, it's, it's you know. It's a delight. We shake it up. We do. <laughs> we, we like to spice it up in the bedroom. Shake it up. How Are you counting down the days till Taylor Swift's release of her new album? <laughs> I know that you are, I but am. I am not. I am Midnight's. I'm, that's the album title. Now she's doing this thing on TikTok where she has a bingo game, uh-huh. and and every day she's like cranking it, and then when, then she'll take there's 13 balls in it, and then she'll take a ball out, and then whatever number that is is the number of the song on her album, and she'll tell you the name of the song. <laughs> I'm very invested. For me, Taylor Swift is a tall glass. Of almond milk with dinner. <laughs> I am not a Swifty. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear. Mm-hmm. But I am intrigued by the entire persona and theater of the creation of Taylor Swift. And, uh-huh. I am very interested in, like, because I do feel she is a creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm very interested in all of it. And yeah. The Easter eggginess and all of that. I'm just, I'm into all of that oh, I, stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that. I'm way more into that than I did get down that rabbit hole on the Adam Levine. Ugh, he's another creature. What a creep. Ugh. All right, listen, if you know, because none, I know, I know in my heart that none of our darkness lovers would ever behave in such a fashion. Never. But if you know one of these asshole men, just walk up and just punch him in the face for me yeah or step on their sack that's right <laughs> that's exactly right we only like good dudes that's it yeah yeah all right y'all on that note on the sack stepping note <laughs> we're gonna step right off we love you forever we do elf to know elf to know and uh we'll see you next week bye bye <laughs>